0: Welcome to the Sydney Writers' Centre. My name's Valerie Koo. Today we're talking to internationally best-selling author Tara Moss. Her latest book is The Spider Goddess. Tara, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Now do tell us about your latest book, what it's about.
1: Well, The Spider Goddess continues on from The Blood Countess, the first in the paranormal series that I've been writing starring my new character, Pandora English. So with The Spider Goddess, there's some questions I guess that were answered or are asked in the first um, book, which are answered in this second book and there's still a lot of mystery uh, for Pandora as well. So we get to discover a little bit more about her life, um, her new life in, in Spectre, which is a supernatural suburb in Manhattan that doesn't appear on maps. We find out a little bit more about her great aunt Celia who's taken her under her wing and a little bit more about uh, Luke is a civil war ghost that she has a, um, a friendship with uh, and perhaps there's a bit of a spark of romance even between them. So we find out a, a bit more about various characters and it, it also continues to lead us towards um, what I would say is the, the bigger journey that I have in mind for this series. So there's a, a large uh, plot line that goes over several books which I plan to write and um, This this gets us a little bit closer to understanding what's ahead for the series itself as well. So did you always plan for it to be a series? Yes I did. In fact, with my crime series with Mac Vander I wrote Fetish kind of as a one-off and loved her so much and loved writing the novel so much that I decided to continue the series. That's not the case with Pandora English. I actually decided that I wanted to write particular series, I wanted to set it in this alternate New York, a contemporary but sort of timeless um, setting, and and draw on my love of ancient folklore, um, ancient mythology, um, and my love of all things ma- macabre and, and gothic, and, and kind of look at a way of taking all of these wonderful old myths and ideas, transplanting into them into the modern day, and, and leading them on this, this big journey. So um, I won't give away what's mm-hmm. going to happen in, in the last books that will come in the series, but. Um, let's just say it's all leading to something quite big. Uh, and with the spider goddess, I wanted to, to tell the story of Arachne, who, of course, is the, uh, the woman who was turned into a spider by the goddess Athena um, back in the old Greek um, mythological tale. So, uh, yeah, that's where the spider goddess spawned from.
0: The great thing about this book is that you don't need to read the first one for sure. this book to make sense and for you yeah. who enjoy it. Is that difficult? Because you need to ensure that the reader has a complete experience, yes. even though they haven't have, may have no idea about what happened in the rest of the series.
1: Yeah, it's an important thing to do as an author, I think. Um, especially when writing a series, you need to be aware that uh, previous readers or fans of this particular series don't want to have everything rehashed. Um, that's, that's boring. and takes a lot of time and just slows the plot down. But at the same time, new readers to the series, you, you want to make sure that they have a, a complete experience reading the book. So, uh, it's something I, I focus on. It's something I had to also um, grapple with with my crime series. So, I'm kind of used to that over the last 13 years. Trying to find that balance between uh, revealing new information and also giving people an idea of context in terms of the larger series. So, each of my novels I see as ones you can read it as standalones, but hopefully if you do read and you enjoy it, you're going to want to go back and find out kind of what the progression is of the series as well.
0: So the first book in the series is The Blood Countess, mm-hmm. and prior to that, as you mentioned, you have been writing crime books, sure. starting off with Fetish in 1999, yeah. then Split, Siren and so on. Yeah. So why did you decide to delve into or embrace the paranormal world as opposed to the world of the FBI and CSI <laughs> and all that?
1: Well, I've been writing in the crime genre for 13 years now. and I, In fact, I'm writing the sixth in the Mac Vander Waals series now, which should be out next year, and hopefully titled Siren. Uh, or sorry, Assassin, to, to follow on from Siren. Um, so I've been immersed in that world of crime and forensics and research for some time, and I, I needed a break, actually. Creatively, I needed a break. And also, I had a desire to express a more kind of gothic interest and uh, that interest has been with me since I was a little girl. So even in Siren, the the most recent of the Mac novels, um, I touched on the Grand Guignol, which is this theater, uh, theatrical troupe from Paris. And in a way, I found myself actually going down this road towards the more, you know, the gothic and fantastical and realized, oh wait a second, this isn't the book for this, this isn't the series for this. Um, the crime books are so based in kind of authenticity and re- research and fact that I really couldn't do everything I wanted to in terms of the scope. So I thought I'm going to write a second series and make it completely different. So with the Pandora English series I write the books in first person rather than third. It's all from Pandora's viewpoint rather than from multiple viewpoint. It's set in a a different place. Um, It's set in a world where everything is possible mm-hmm. and where there are kind of no limitations in terms of what i can do and that's really liberating i think as a creative person
0: right because it, with your prime series as you say there's it's very rooted in authenticity and research and facts yeah. so did you have to do the same level of research presumably there are some rules in the paranormal world or sure. th- or, or conventions that yeah. you
1: need to include to be credible that's right it, People who love speculative fiction and love the paranormal are really well read. And I'm quite well read in the genre as well. And I understand that you need to either uh, embrace certain conventions, and if you don't embrace those conventions, you need to acknowledge them and, and, and give a reason why that's not true in the world that you're creating. And that's actually one of the most fun things you can do I- I- when dealing with the paranormal and the supernatural, is to kind of acknowledge previous authors. So there's a lot of references in the paranormal uh, series that I write to things like The Adams Family, to Bram Stoker's Dracula, to terms like Nosferatu, which meant plague carrier. So I, I came up with the idea that, um, obviously plague carrier is a pretty pejorative term, it's not a very nice way to refer to someone, but I've uh, come up with the idea that vampire is also a very politically incorrect term. You don't call people vampires, they're sanguine, which means of blood. So I I wanted to create a kind of, um, I I guess revisiting some of these ideas, but also reinterpreting them and uh, taking some classic horror archetypes and giving them a little bit of a twist.
0: And who knew that Michael Hutchins played such an important (laughs) role in the paranormal world?
1: (laughs) This is right, it was great fun to imagine who may or may not, not be undead.
0: Um, and I won't give
1: too much away for no. the readers at home, but uh, there are some big names <laughs> that we know who are still around. Um, it's something quite fun, I think, that uh, Charlene Harris has done with the Sookie Stackhouse series that I'm a fan of, you know, when she decided that Elvis, um, who's very rarely named uh, as actually Elvis, but we know that Elvis um, was, was taken over to the other side as a member of the undead by, um, by fan. Um, rather than dying, as everybody believes he has. So that explains the the frequent sightings. So there's lots of things you can do to have fun with the genre and maybe even poke a bit of fun at the genre Mm -hmm. whilst also um, creating a really rich and interesting world. Um, It's not just vampires or sanguine that appear Mm -hmm. in the Paranormal English series. There are ghosts. um, There's, of course, the mythological creatures like um, the spider goddess herself what was fun about the spider goddess was imagining if she was around now in a modern day New York, what would she be up to? And also as a villain or a villainess, what's her arsenal? What are her weapons? You know? And that was a great experience for me to actually let myself just imagine all the possibilities of what a spider goddess could do. Things I hadn't read about, because I, I didn't feel this area had been visited particularly in the genre. Um, So it's fun to take some known things and Mm. some some unknowns and mix it all together.
0: It's quite a skill because you are setting it in New York and yet it is is this whole other world. What did you do to maintain that credibility Mm. um, so that people still felt that this was grounded in reality?
1: Well, I did quite a bit of research into ancient folklore as well as mythology. Um, I lived in New York for several years, so I know New York well and I wanted to create an alternate version of New York, but to bring in historical facts and also with the ancient folklore, focus on things that are um, that are based in real beliefs that people had in different cultures at one point, but maybe are now kind of lost and forgotten. Um, one example of that is that the sanguine in my novels are obsessive compulsive. This is something that a lot of people when they're reading have a bit of a laugh over. Um, but this is not something I've made up. This is actually based on, on early belief systems um, at a time when people genuinely feared the undead and believed the undead could you know, slaughter whole towns. Uh, they believed that they were obsessive compulsive and therefore you could scatter grains of rice outside cemeteries or outside homes to slow the progress of the undead. And some believed they had to only count one grain per year, to <laughs> considerably slow them down. And in other cultures, they just believed they had to count them all, so it would, you know, slow them by days or weeks or hours. So I went with the latter idea. Um, There was also a belief that pumpkin seeds would have the same uh, effect. So these are all things that I can, in the books, write about. Mm. You know, these early belief systems, and it's uh, something I find personally fascinating. And readers have told me they find it fascinating as well. And with the spider goddess, there are actually a lot of. Uh, spider gods and goddesses that um, were believed in in various cultures over the years, and they get a mention in the book as well. so there's there's that rooting in fact mm. still even in a setting of of something more fantastical.
0: It is it deals with some spooky and eerie mm. concepts, and I know for the first probably three chapters, yes. I just kept looking up. you know <laughs> before I you know let myself, get into
1: it. Sure. Um, do you get spooked out when you're writing it? Uh, some of the sequences that I write uh, in this book, The Spider Goddess, are actually based on nightmares I had while I was writing the book. And that's something that uh, I've done in the past. So I t- sometimes do write dream sequences or nightmare sequences because I think it says a lot about human psychology, you know, where we're at, what our fears are, our most primal fears. And so with the spider goddess, I literally translated those to the page. And um, they're some of my favorite scenes, actually, uh, the dream sequences or nightmare sequences. And when you're imagining spiders, and and for Pandora, she's not afraid of spiders. And her mother taught her that spiders are misunderstood creatures, that they shouldn't be feared. So as a consequence, in the first chapter, while everyone else is trying to kill this very large spider, she saves it. um, She doesn't want to see it killed. So she's someone who doesn't fear spiders, but at the same time, if you start imagining a lot of spiders, you start to imagine spiders that are being moved by someone's hand, in this case, the spider goddess. There's so many infinite possibilities, and I think the result is is quite chilling, actually, Mm. in this book.
0: You've written, as, as we've said, crime, where suspense is very, very important. This yes. book is also very suspenseful, yes. and now it's your seventh book, so you, yes. you've become a bit of a master at suspense. But for those people who are starting out, perhaps, in mm. crime writing, what is what's
1: the key to maintaining that tension and to keep the reader turning the page? Look, I think uh, suspense is something its extremely central and important in any good novel, no matter what genre it is or if it's a non-genre piece of fiction, suspense is really key, Uh, also in true crime for that matter. It's very much about pacing, I think, and also not giving too much away too early. But the the key is also when a mystery is revealed, when the answer is revealed at some point, to some question you've asked earlier in the book, it has to make sense to the reader. So you you need to make sure that people don't feel ripped off by a twist that was completely, um, there were no red herrings or no no clues for it beforehand. You can have red herrings leading them in different directions, but ultimately when you do have a a big reveal, you need to be able to, to, it needs to be able to fit well into the book. It seems properly motivated and and, um, that the precedent is there earlier on. Um, But in terms of actual pacing, It's something I think each author needs to feel out themselves. Um, Don't go back in history too often while you're writing. Try to keep it in the present so that the action is moving forward. I think that's one thing I learned early on, which is very important. Mm -hmm. And again, can be difficult in a series when you're trying to explain uh, the context of things. Uh, You need to explain a little bit about the past, but it's important to do it in small drips rather than having whole sections that just slows down the plot and takes away the sense of pace and suspense and mm. action. So um, action is important. Keep, make sure every single scene that you write is um, necessary for the progression of the book. If it's not necessarily, cut it out.
0: <laughs> um, you're well known for your level of research, mm. particularly in your crime novels. You've gone to the FBI, you've been choked.
1: <laughs> you choked unconscious, <laughs> choked set on, unconscious, on fire. Yes.
0: Yeah. What other bizarre things have you experienced <laughs> that most of us normally don't, In all in the name of research? You've never been
1: <laughs> conscious or set on fire? I, I'm surprised, Valerie. <laughs> Frankly, I'm disappointed. Um, look, I will take nearly any opportunity to experience something new so I get a better understanding of the human experience and so I can translate that to the page. Um, with the Pandora English series, it has to do with spending time in places that are Uh, Renowned for um, having a a presence or having ghosts, so um, I like where? Caves House uh, at Janelin Caves in the mountains is renowned for its uh, the caretaker and uh, um, uh, Mrs. Schism. I had a very strange dream uh, actually when I stayed there. It's a really interesting place so I'm, si- I'm one of those people who sits on the fence in terms of the paranormal i believe there's a lot that we don't understand um, with science and there's a lot that remains unexplained but i really don't know what the answers are to all of this i, I you can consider me open-minded and when i spend time in places like caves house i really become very convinced that there's um, the echoes of previous lives in places like that it's something that helps me to write a character like Pandora. It's because she has a, a special gift which is a connection with the dead and I don't think I could write about her unless I. some part of me believed that it was possible. So places like Cave's House have a presence. Um, there's the Monte Cristo which is a Victorian mansion in Juni in New South Wales which is known as the um, quote-unquote most haunted house in Australia because of the number of um, deaths that have taken place there over the years, some from natural causes, some from, for other reasons, and there's said to be quite a presence there. And when I went, um, I found quite a presence, and um, particularly in the maids' quarters, there was a, actually the hairs stood up on the, you know, the tiny hairs on the back of my neck just stood up, and I got quite a chill, it felt like someone had walked over my grave. So it, it, there's definitely places that have a presence and um, I'd say that's probably also true, to a lesser degree, of the uh, tea house, or the tea rooms that I have at home uh, in the mountains. There's uh, uh, something there. And uh, a lot of people who have come to stay have said that they've had experiences there in certain parts of the house. So um, there's something, some energy, if you will, uh, whether it's actually a benevolent spirit of some kind whether you believe in ghosts or spirits or whether it's just an energy that uh, a place absorbs after so many lives and experiences have taken place i don't know what the answer is Mm. but there's some places do have a real presence
0: take us um through your writing process when you are actually in the depths of writing your novel what is your routine do you have a, a ritual do you have to start the day a certain way do you aim for a certain number of words Do you plot it all out first or do you just let the spirit take you somewhere?
1: (laughs) It's a good word to use. (laughs) Um, With Pandora, I do let the spirit take me somewhere. It's a very liberating experience to write each of the Pandora English novels because it's so freeing. Uh, Again, I don't have to stop to speak to a forensics expert or an investigator to make sure that I have the details of the scene uh, correct. Most of the, uh, the knowledge that I'm putting into the books... uh, It's knowledge that I've absorbed over decades, you know, in terms Mm -hmm. of ancient mythology and folklore and things. So it's a less stilted process with the Pandora English novels. Uh, Each day I aim for a thousand words. Um, Some days I fail miserably and I might get (laughs) 300 or 100 even if I'm having a, a bad day or I'm quite distracted by other things. Other times I will overshoot that considerably and write, I think, 2,500 words or, Biggest day has been 4,000, but uh, when I speak to authors like, say, Jeffrey Deaver, he'll tell me he writes 10,000 words a day, <laughs> but he but he's very verbose and repetitive in his writing, and so he has to scale it right back. Uh, for me, my writing works in the opposite way, in that I tend to write a skeleton, if you will, and then I flesh it out. So the first drafts for me are shorter um, rather than longer, and I they become more layered and textured uh, with each edit, as opposed to being scaled back. I very rarely have to delete, although I'm not afraid to do that um, if a scene's not working. For the most part, I add. So that's, that tends to be my approach. And I'll have a good idea of what I want to achieve before I begin the first words. I was about to say pen to paper, but you know I do use a laptop most of the time. I'll have a good idea of what I want to achieve, but I often find that it takes on its own life and I think it's important to follow that uh, and let uh, writing instincts take over.
0: Has the writing process changed at all now that you're a new mother? Yes.
1: (laughs) Well, yes, because uh, there's this new energy and influence in my life and uh, she's wonderful and very uh, inspiring, actually. Um, But it means that it's a new kind of time management. As as any author who's a parent will tell you, uh, you need to be able to work around your, your children and for me, I've been very lucky with Saphira. She's very happy to let me write. And my husband, who's also a writer and an academic, he's been a very hands-on dad. So he's allowed me to, say, work furiously towards deadlines since Saphira came along. I was finishing The Spider Goddess when Saphira was very young. So um, it was necessary to you know, have him say, OK, I'll just take over here. Um, and also, I've learned to be able to take with one hand. <laughs> it's not very fast, but I can write with one hand, I can write in the middle of the night, um, I can write at all hours now, and in hotel rooms, and on planes, and in all kinds of places. So, so you think,
0: have that level of focus, you can just write wherever.
1: Yeah, it's not always easy. Uh, sometimes that level of focus is hard to come by, but I find the most difficult part is what I call the re-entry. So if I haven't uh, been writing for a few days or even weeks because of some other issue, uh, whether it be uh, a book tour or something else I'm focusing on, or some journalism that I'm writing, when I'm re-entering a fictional world, I find that it's the hardest thing to do. It's, it's excruciating for a few days and frustrating as I stare at the words and they don't come together for me and I just you know, get a word out or two words out. It's just really hard and then, I go, ah, I'm in. And once I'm in, yes, I can um, make a cup of tea, I can answer an email, I can do an interview even or catch a plane and Mm. I might still be in that world and just be able to dip in at every spare moment.
0: What tell us about the journalism that you do do. What kind of journalism
1: and what sort of topics do you you mainly cover? Um, I'm interested in current affairs, particularly women's issues or current affairs as they affect women. Um, I'm also interested in a variety of topics, and when I see something dealt with in the media in a way I'm not happy with, I I like to try to give another opinion to try to balance things. Um, I'm interested in the world around me, so Mm. I wouldn't pinpoint any particular topic but say that I'm interested in uh, what's going on in the world. Um, Also I write book reviews, Um, I've got an author interview show on 13th Street Universal, so Um, Sometimes I'm researching other authors in anticipation of interviews and I might write about them and their lives as well um, and write reviews and things. So my non-fiction writing and non-fiction journalism has taken a bit more of a role in the last couple of years as I've written more for um, some newspapers as literally as the need has arisen. So Mm. I'll, I'll read about a topic and go, you know, I've really got a strong view on this, and I will write something. And just to sort of throw in my my two cents and get the discussion going. Mm you mentioned that you need to get your head into fiction when, when it's
0: time to write fiction and which of course is very different to journalism. Yes. But also you mentioned that you're writing the next Mac Van book, right. which is assassins, yes. but also the next Pandora English That's book. Right. So they're very, very different. Do yeah. you need to do something to switch <laughs> hats or change gears or, you know, get into the right space for the different books?
1: Yeah. Look, the, that is a struggle. Um, It probably makes the transition more difficult because the feeling is so different and I can get very excited about one book or the other and it doesn't necessarily mean that's the one that I'm on deadline for. (laughs) So at the moment I'm on deadline for Assassin and I need to really focus on that book. Uh, And be careful that she doesn't become a vampire. (laughs) Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, I've kind of uh, nipped that in the bud now by being able to express all this interest in you know ghosts and the paranormal through pandora english so i'm actually finding it's not seeping into the crime books mm-hmm. quite as much as it did with the last one um so yeah it is a, it is a struggle but um i have a strong idea and, and the basis for the skeleton key already on the page but most of the writing is yet to come so now with assassin it's just a matter of writing the rest of the book which i've been living with in my mind for a couple of years and have, have been writing for nearly that amount of time and once that's done I'll take a quick breath <laughs> and I'll jump into the skeleton key and get that finished. So uh, I can have lots of concepts. In fact, I've got a concept for a couple of other books as well, um, down to all the plotting and characters and titles and everything wow. um, in my mind for future novels. So it's going to be a pretty busy five years ahead. So, paint
0: us a picture, fast forward five years, mm. and paint us a picture of what life looks like for you.
1: Um, well, I would like to think that um, I will have a, at least a book out every year. In the in the past, I've had one out every two to three years, so I've stepped up the pace a little bit. Um, there's a, a one-off horror novel that I'd like to write, which I haven't pitched to anyone yet, but I'm very keen to write uh, perhaps towards the end of next year. I'm commissioned to write another five novels, some some Pandora English and some Mac Vanderbilt novels. So I would like to think that all of that has been completed in that um, continuing to work, I think, as a journalist and as a novelist and uh, just enjoy those things. In travel. I think a lot of travel ahead as well.
0: And finally, what would your advice be to people who are watching this who they really want to get their first novel out there, yeah. whether it's Paranormal or Crime or something else, what would your advice be to aspiring writers?
1: Get involved with the Writers' Centre. Um, get involved with writers groups, meet writers, speak to writers. I think that's one way to get your, um, you know, a grasp of the publishing industry and what's necessary to finish a novel. And also don't send something off to a publisher too soon. Mm. It's hard to get things seen by publishers and if you have an opportunity that's wasted because you're sending a first draft, your work may not get seen again ever possibly or certainly not for a long time. So uh, whether you're writing novels, whether they're writing nonfiction, or even screenplays, know that a first draft is not a book. Uh, It takes a lot of time to get it right. It takes a lot of rehashing. So I would say get involved with writers and you'll get a good sense of what's involved. And even down the track, maybe get a professional editor or reader to give you feedback before you send it off to someone uh, who's a professional in the industry because that can give you a really good sense of you know, what you can do to hone your own craft. And good luck writing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: great advice. Thank you very much. And certainly Thank great you. advice from someone who knows The Spider Goddess by Tara Moss. I couldn't put it down. Had to keep turning the pages. Fantastic book. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. ValerieKoo.com. That's ValerieKoo. K H O O Thank you for listening.